This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the B-Sotted Pride of West London podcast. We're, we're back in familiar territory. We've, we've had a few virtual podcasts in, in weeks, in the recent weeks, and uh, we, we've not been out in the real world. We've been out in the real world the last two, and both of those weeks we've been in the Prince Blucher in Twickenham, like on Twickenham Green. It's a, it's a beautiful pub. Um, they spent a lot of money looking around, doing this place up. It's a bit, I'll be honest with you, I'll whisper this, it's a bit of a rugby pub, if I'm honest, but they're, they're you know, obviously, you know, it's not, it's not, too, it's not too bad. And we're in this lovely little, well, we'll call it the besotted function room now. There's a little little cubicle that they, they, they cordon off for us. It, looks, it makes us look a little bit dodgy, because the rest of the pub is having a good time, and we're, we're looking like we're doing something really dodgy behind closed doors. So, yeah, well, anyway, so we're back in the Prince Belusha. Um, they've made us feel very welcome the last two weeks. Um, the, the manager, he just told me that he's off to Brentford on Tuesday night for the Leeds game. So it'd be good to see him down there. He's into his footy. So yeah, we got the bees everywhere. Um, and with me this week, um, we've got some old mates. They're they're the, they're the tried and tested. They, this is the A team. Billy's Billy's gone AWOL again. It, there's no Dulwich Hamlet this week. He's gone all Parisian for um, for for Ash's birthday. So happy birthday, Ash. We'll give you the bumps next time you come down to the bees. Um, and so so with me tonight is Matt. The Allard Allard. How are you, Matt? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I've missed quite a few of these. Um, so, um, yeah, looking, looking sort of looking forward to... Um, in fact, I had, a, I had to have a fitness test earlier. So I played a bit of kabaddi just to make sure that I was fit to, um, <laughs> to be on the... Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, not having been injured for the last few weeks. Um, and I passed that famously. So here I am back. On the podcast. I think that's the second ever mention of Kabaddi on, <laughs> on the podcast. So, you know, Kabaddi is always welcome on this pod. Um, anyone that doesn't know what it is, Wikipedia is there to help you. Um, and then to Matt's left and my right is Savvy B. Savvy, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, it's been a long time. I think this is about eight weeks since my last, my last podcast. So, uh, yeah, glad, glad to be here. And it sounds like it was like until your since your last confession. When it was, it's been eight weeks since your last podcast. When 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 should you have confessed last? 
Well, I do. I do confess to all the podcasts, yeah. and uh, I, I normally tell something I'm not meant to. So uh, here goes again. Someone, someone that really should confess his sins is the Dutchman. Dutchman is a is a serial serial sinner. Serial sinner, yeah. <laughs> and um, a, how's your week been? And b, what would you like to confess? Uh, my week's been good, thank you, uh, David. Uh, two weeks in a row for me, so I'm really not sure what I'm going to talk about for two weeks in a row, but um, had so much fun last week, more than happy to be doing it again. Um, what do I want to confess? Um, I confess that I won't be going to Brentford Tuesday week. Loyal. Um, and, well, I think you're in the same boat as all of us, really. What, you know, we've all been on, for, t- for two weeks running, and what are we going to speak about? Is The answer to that is the same old tut that we normally do. So, um, and it's me. What's left is me, Dave Lane. Um, I'm here again, and I'm hosting in um, Billy's absence. Are we gonna, we're going to mix it up a bit, I think, from, from now on. I think Billy, uh, Billy's excellent at what he does, and uh, but... I rely on him too much sometimes to do the old hosting. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to take my fair share. So, it's another lively one. Um, what's actually really... We had some brilliant news today, and it's actually really helped us on the old podcast because, obviously, there was no game last Saturday. Um, I actually went to Crawley Town versus Leighton Orient last Saturday. Uh, did a bit of filming for Kick It Out. Um, we did a, we're doing a, a video on diversity, and this one's about disabled fans. Uh, it was really, really amazing. Very, very um, upbeat, very positive, uh, very... Uh, how do you describe it? Just to, to, to mix with some, some fans who really have been down, down on their uppers. You know, people that have had really bad accidents and, and um, really awful things happen in their lives, but... Um, they've recovered, and football's become a central part in that. And uh, it's uh, what the thing that really, really stood out for me in my trip was there was a minute silence for people that got injured and the people that died in the Westminster attack. And um, uh, Charlie was um, the guy, one of the guys who was, you know, paralysed in his wheelchair, pretty much paralysed in his wheelchair. He had to stand up for the minute silence, and he was helped to his feet. Um, and he was it was held up, and he he it, I, I, it's the first time I'd ever witnessed how important it was for him to feel like he was like everyone else. And whenever Crawley scored, and they scored three times in the first half against Leighton Orient, he was held to his feet as well. And I said to him at half time, I said, Charlie, I said, you know, I, no, I noticed that you've been held up. Um, I said, you know, that that was quite moving to watch. And he said, well, I'm happy to sit down whenever everyone else is sitting down. But if everyone else is standing up having a good time, why should I miss out? Um, and he was held to his feet. And it was, again, it was really quite moving. Um, and it was really great to capture some of that. So we'll give you a link as and when that happen- when that appears on the Kick It Out um, website and their, their social media. So um, did anyone else take in any football on this international break any this this weekend that just went past no I watched about 20 minutes of the England game um, as much as um, I saw um, and oh I did watch the, uh, Ireland Wales I thought was was mildly entertaining as they were sort of kicking lumps out of each other and um, and I'm, I'm not condoning some of the w- one of those challenges but um, I thought it was quite a spicy affair but apart from that no Seth uh, I watched the England game on telly and just got very, very bored and ended up on WhatsApp. 
I got offered free tickets for the England game and just couldn't be asked. So I'm, to, it's, uh, I've, I'm Englanded out, I think, for the moment. Dutch? Yeah, I'm the same. I mean, I can honestly say I haven't seen a minute of either of those two games and I haven't even seen the highlights. And that's a real shame because I love my football and I, I love my national team. But uh, like you, I just couldn't bring myself to watch either of them. I had better things to do. So, without a game to talk about, we'll be no normal clips of fans back in the boozer after the game. But what we have got to talk about is quite a lot, actually. We're going to be talking Alan Judge. We've got video technology. We've got the besotted social, which is shaping up to be absolutely stunning. We've got Brexit that was triggered today. Um, we're going to look at the, the players that will, might be leaving um, this summer. Um, and we've got the international roundup. There's a lot of, lot of Brentford players involved in um, this weekend's action. And we've got a double header. We've got two home games coming up. We've got um, Bristol City this Saturday. Then we've got Leeds United at home at Griffin Park under the floodlights next Tuesday. So after this twang, we'll be back to be talking Brexit and Alan Judge. So the biggest news of this week is... Absolutely, um, Alan Judge re-signing um, for Brentford, and we, we hinted at it last week on the podcast. We we preempted this to a certain degree. We had a little bit of a discussion. Um, Liberal Nick kind of um, he, he stirred he stirred the, the bees nest a little bit by saying you know he was he was confused where Alan Judge may fit in if he if he were to resign. I don't I don't think that was um, particularly that you know controversial because. Um, we're, we're still quite, we're still quite um, unsure of, you know, to what, what which Alan Judge we are going to get back. But it's undoubtedly brilliant news for Brentford Football Club. Alan Judge is, uh, is, is unarguably one of the best players that we've had post-war. Um, he scored the goal that sent us up. He certainly dragged us up um, by the by the scruff of the neck in certain matches last year, where he seemed to be the only one that was performing in that season where we got to the playoffs and we, we, we were defeated by Middlesbrough, him along with um, Alan Pritchard, sorry Alex Pritchard, were on a different level. Um, some of his goals that he scored, some of his assists, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a major, major player at Brentford Football Club and to have him um, on the periphery at the moment of, 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 of a first team return um, he's, he's exceptional. It really is a positive. It's a proper shot in the arm for next season. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an absolute um, message of intent. And as certain people have picked up on the besotted lingo, the one word that comes through loud and clear is the M word: manners. Manners have been, uh, manners have been, been like implemented. Though he's, he, he could have, he could have let his, um, let his contract run out. And seen seen where he stood in the summer. He, he knows that um, Brentford, uh, you know, have, have supported him. They've given him the best medical help. Um, they 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 really put his well-being at the front of the the agenda on this. Along with you know, this is a separate issue. We're actually probably going to get onto how the club has looked after its players as, as, on on a wider scale after this. But Matt, Alan Judge re-signing. What are your thoughts on that? Um, it's, it, I think it's great news. Um, it, it definitely appears like it's manners. Manners have been observed. Um, we, we we have to say that with a little bit of caution because we don't actually know how fit Alan Judge is. We don't know how soon he is coming back to play. But let's let's assume that he's on a steady road back. Um, I think it's I think it's good news. I feel 
I'm going to defend Nick a little bit because I kind of get what Nick was saying in that, you know, we've kind of, we have sort of proved that we can exist without Alan Judge. Um, so, so I will defend Nick to some extent, but I think that um, possibly, you know, where Nick was coming from is he's thinking Alan Judge, one of the two wide players, we've got Hotter, we've got Canos, we've got Yossifzun, um, you know, where does he fit in there? But actually, I think that there's a chance that, you know, Alan Judge will play in a very different role to where we saw him play last season, certainly, where literally we built the side round him. And I think Judge will have to accept that as well. Um, I think he's going to have to accept that he's going to be a, a player within a team rather than a player that the team is built round. Um, but, but, yes, it's, I think it's great news. Do you want to elaborate a little on the, where, where, where do you see him being played? Well, he can still play as a wide player, there's no doubt about that. But, I, but if, if, if in really simple terms you say we play 4-3-3, it, it's, it's a bit more complicated than that. But, but if you think of the three midfielders, one of them will have some attacking intent. It's kind of been Kirschbaumer in recent weeks. Um, sometimes it, it can be Yanaris, you know. It, so it's, the, it's not the holding player by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't see any reason why Judge can't play in that position. I'm pretty sure he played in that position at times under Warburton. It may not have been his preferred, but I genuinely think that he can be, rather than a wide player, he can be more involved in the middle of the park. He's technically good enough, he's strong, and, he, and he's, always, he's always been able to cover plenty of ground in a game. Um, and um, I think, you know, so, so really he can play in either of those positions. So I, it's got to be a, good, a, a real benefit to the team. Puts a couple of players under a bit of pressure, though. It, it does, and there, there almost seems to be, um, you know, I think I think there's a lot of people saying, you know, you know, if rather than when he comes back to being the Alan Judge that we know of old, um, it doesn't seem to be any 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 grain of doubt in in, in the people that have uh, made the decisions, the directors of football, and um, and uh, the, the you know the co- the head coach. You know, Phil Giles said today when we finally sat down to discuss the contractual situation, it was apparent that a new contract was the best outcome for all. In particular, knowing that Alan enjoys being at Brentford and living in the area, I'm delighted that he has signed and look forward to him returning to the team. It doesn't seem to be any inclination. There's no there's no seed of doubt there, Sav. No, I think uh, Alan Judge is probably covering himself as well <coughs> because. There's an issue about, you know, will he be as good as he, as he has been? I mean, I suspect he will be. Uh, I think in modern, modern football, it's very rare that we have um, an injury that <coughs> changes the player's uh, skill factor and the ability to do the job they did before. Um, so I expect him to come back as good as he was. Um, and I also, I mean, I, I agree you know, entirely with, um, with, with Matt, what he was saying about what his position is likely to be. But um, no, I think, I think it's good for everyone. I think it's good for him because, again... He's, it's the devil he knows. He knows Brentford. He knows that we like him. He knows that he's got now a two-year contract in an area where he's, he's settled with his wife. And he's, he's, his son, his son, son, it is a son, I think, was born um, while he's been at Brentford. So, so, you know, for those personal reasons, but also for his career. Because he knows, I think, that we've now got a really good team and we can really go for it now. And he's, if he's going to be in that side, I think it's good for him too. I, th- I think, and I know Dutch needs to get his opportunity to speak as well, uh, and you, Dave, as well, but I think it's important that the, the two-year contract for me is important. If it had been a one-year contract, I think I'd have been a little bit disappointed because, for me, that was a bit of a cop-out. I think with the two-year option, it gives us the possibility that if he does come back and he's absolutely brilliant, is that you know, we can still sell him on then. Um, 
if, if that's what the club decides to do. And I think that's really key to it, rather than he just, you know, got an extra year and then, and then you know, essentially after a year, he can walk again. So, yeah, I, I think that's good. I mean, again, I am making an assumption he, he is getting back to fitness and he's close to it. You know, before I get over to the Dutchman, I, I think you're right. There's, there's there's several layers to this, isn't there? There's, there's there's obviously that we've been there to support a player, we've been there to nurture him and cover us or include him in the, the squad for next season in one that hopefully is um, pushing for a playoff place at the very least, and obviously. He covers our asses if if he's a good player and he he still wants to go. I, I don't for one minute think we'll stand in his way if he wants to go again. But at least we get a fee rather than let him let him sort of like waft away and uh, you know regret forever that incident at Ipswich. Dutch, how do you see Alan Judge and the the next sort of phase of his career and and that at Brentford? Well, firstly, I think it's a it's fantastic news. Um, I think you know it's a real boost for the fans. It's you know had we bought a player externally for that sort of quality, we'd be jumping up and down. So we should be doing the same for Judge. Um, you, you would like to think that that our coaching staff and medical staff being as close to him as I, if anyone knows how fit he is and whether he's going to come back to full fitness. You know, although it's never a, a guarantee, it should be us. And you know, you would hope we've taken that decision wisely. I think you, you, you put it from from the club's point of view that absolutely we're protecting ourselves. Um, and I think from Judge's point of view, it's exactly the same, isn't it? If Judge comes back and he's not the player he was, then he's got himself a two-year contract. And if he comes back and he's flying, um, he'll still be in a position to be sold at a decent fee and, and the club benefits from that. So I think it's... Uh, even, even just listening to you read out Phil Giles' comment, I think it, you know, it's, it's a fairly business-like statement. There's not a lot of emotion in there, really. It's, a, you know, it's the best contractual deal for both sides type of thing. Smacks me slightly of a... Yeah, it is. It's the best contractual deal for all involved. Nothing, you know, there's nothing really to be lost, is there, other than if it doesn't work out um, for us, then we've, we've got a player for two years on, on a contract that, you know, that we can't play. But I think in terms of what we're looking for as a squad and where he fits in, if we're serious about challenging next year, we've talked about this on the pods in recent weeks, and you know, there's a view certainly from a couple of us that I think we'll go for it next year and we'll build on the, you know, the youth and the, the longevity of contracts that we've got on the players in this current squad. Then, you know, we need a squad that's going to be 18, 20 strong, and to add someone of the, the caliber of Judge has to be fantastic news. And you know, well done to all involved for, for sealing that. Um, the, the quote I picked out from uh, from Phil Giles was literally a quote I picked out. He did say a lot more than that. That was literally just the chunk that I ch- I chose. I thought it, it summed up the situation. Um, uh, Dean Smith's he, his comments on on the on the re-signing was on. I'm really pleased that Alan has committed his immediate future to us. He has been an integral member of the squad since he joined and has played a massive part in the recent success of Brentford Football Club. He is close to full recovery from the terrible injury he suffered and we will certainly reap the benefits when he returns to the standards he was setting in the championship prior to the injury, which earned him his full international cap and plaudits from managers and peers from within the championship. It is a great boost to the staff, squad and supporters that his future remains at Brentford. And, you know, that's that kind of, in, in a nutshell, it is a, proper shot in the arm and, I'm, and I've just said you know I, I said that earlier in the intro and there's been comments pretty much all over social media today for, on the besotted feeds on the on the website today from Rob Wire 
Um, indeed, it's great news. I was surprised that it was voiced by some on the podcast last week that we had moved on and there was possibly no place in the team for him. I'm not quite sure that was true, but you know, we'll, we'll, Matt's going to come back about that one. His injury alone shows... Yotta and Sergey or anyone else in one tackle is one tackle away from a serious season-ruining injury. This gives us great options and the riches. Um, again, he's, he's pushing. You know, I think he's looking forward to um, promotion, a promotion push next year. Um, and uh, he says there is no way I could ever say we cannot have him in our team. He has lots to offer. I'm delighted he's re-signed along with Sergey and Jota returning. It's been the highlight of an indifferent season. Fabulous news. Uh, we we seem to have several players going. Forgetting about them, coming back and being even better. Canos, he's still got to prove himself. Yota is amazing. Is Judge another one of these we've forgotten about? Um, yeah, and quite possibly, and quite and hopefully, um, I. But we have moved on. I mean, uh, you know, nobody's wrong to say we've moved on. Nick, Nick was right to say we've moved on, but that doesn't. But it does. But it doesn't mean there isn't a place for him in the in the squad. I, I, you know, I would say we're a much better team. I would say we're a better team in the areas where Judge plays than we were this time last year. Um, you know, attacking midfield. Yeah. Um, so I, so so we have moved on. But I still think there's a there's a place for him. You know, I I I I, I think it's a squad game. I mean, I, I know some people like you know you pick your best eleven and you stick with them. But you're going to get injuries um, throughout the season. You know, even this season, you can make an argument with Yunaris that he. You know, I think I think it's fair to say he's been injured most of the season. If they'd have been, if we'd have been a little bit stronger in the squad, we might have been able to send him off for, you know, and get him sorted for three months and um, and, and bring him back better. So I, I, I think it's a good thing. Um, and um, and you know, yeah, I think I think we need to sort of have that little bit more strength in depth. And give ourselves a few more options. Peter Howe on Twitter, on the Besotted Twitter feed, he said, um, I think the way the club looks after its players is finally making an impact. What with Canos, Judge, Yotta, Sav, what impact or what effect do you think that Brentford showing manners to the players and looking after them is reaping its rewards when we are kind of expecting some sort of loyalty in return. Well, I think it is, because you can also add uh, Hogan to, to that list. When you add Hogan to that list, you're also adding another sort of £12 million or so. So it's not, you know, there, there's the manners that we show. And Ambient. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we, we get that, when, when we get that back, it's, it's good for the, the squad, the team, etc. But it's also good financially for us as well. And, you know, it, it's, that's the kind of payback that, that we, we get, you know, to, to let... A player of um, judges' calibre go for nothing would have been a crime, and you know he didn't have to. But you know the, the fact that we looked after him, he showed the manners, and it means that we're now in a position where we've got him for for two years, and he, can, he either plays out of his skin and we sell him and we make some money, or we've got another brilliant player for two years. I mean, win-win. And that's a win-win indeed, and that's a, that's the point that Hobbo on um, the Besotted website um, on his comment to the to the story today. He said, um, "Top man, top player, top club. I bet Alan's been told that if he performs as well as he was pre his injury, that the club will not stand in his way if he wants to move on. A win-win situation all round. That kind of again that sums it up pretty well. The Dutch 
Um, it's shaping up to be a pretty amazing attacking selection for next season. Um, you know, how how do you see the? You know, what's what have you? What's your take on this? Well, as I just said, I'm very excited about where we could get to next year with a little bit of investment. Um, yeah, ironically, you know, attacking midfielders and it wouldn't necessarily be the first place you'd look because we've got more of those than, than we've got others. And we all know the areas we need to look. There's no point revisiting that at this point of the podcast. But you know, we know where we need sharpening up and where our weakness has been this year. But to, to have that um, signing now and I think in advance and not waiting for, for June and transfer windows and all that is a real upfront boost to the fans you know, not only for next season but also for the rest of this season in terms of getting us ready I'm, I'm just really excited that if we can start a rumour on, on the podcast every week about someone coming back and they, they sign me next week I'm going to start with Pritchard um, if anyone's got any advance on Pritchard let's name a player and wait for him to re-sign for us next week A cu- couple more comments from social media we've got bon- Ben Rosier um, he, he said very good news and expectations well managed by the club hopefully this will help us to extend the Yota contract for a little longer than a year we should really have this one in the bag I, I'm, I'm sure there's people working towards that as, as, as I as I as I sort of rant, um, the other the other comment I want to read out is Brighton B on on the Besotted website. This is absolutely fantastic news for all supporters. I've long held the view that Alan Judge is one of the one of this football club's best ever signings. Certainly in my fifty years of watching Brentford. So next season we have Judgey, Canos, Yotta, Flojo, hopefully Clark, McEachran, Dean, Vibay, Egan, Bielen, Colin, Bentley. Henry Vibay, I think you said Vibay already. Woods Egan, I think you said him as well. Um, um, Barbay McLeod McCormack 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 uh, Flojo Clark Clark and McEachran and Dean. So um, we have a lot of we have a lot of we have a lot of skill to uh, to look forward to next year. But I know what you mean. Get your money on the team to upset the championships, big boys. That's, that's what Brighton B said. So you know, I'm, I'm, I may have may have taken the piece slightly and you you, you sort of renaming some of. Those those players more than once but we, we get your sentiments it's we are we are probably three players away four players away from having a team that takes us to a different level whether we're going to talk about promotion or playoffs or whatever but takes us to a different level um yeah i <clears throat> i think there's some fundamental flaws as i've outlined several times before um before we really you know i always think that when we're talking about a team that will that 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 you know, you can talk about promotion. You're actually battling to be in the top two. I think battling to be in the top six is 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 doable. You know, um, but the playoffs, as we all know, are a complete lottery. So, so, so where that really makes you a sort of a promotion chasing team, I suppose it does to some extent. Um, to to get into the top two, we're I would say we're quite a long way from that. Um, if I'm honest, you know, that's just my my feeling is that I keep seeing teams that come down and and you know maybe from the Premier League or and I'm thinking of Newcastle this year, I'm thinking of um, Middlesbrough um, the last couple of years. Um, to, to get to that level, I, I think, you know, I, I still think it will take a serious amount of of, um, of, of signings and, and improvement from current players to get to that. But, but you know, with, with three or four signings, and I think, yeah, we can be, we can be a playoff team. So these players... Uh, re-signing for us, but today is a is a is a is a, an exit day. It's a Brexit day today. Um, 
we're going to talk a little bit more about players leaving Brentford. So Brentford exit, Brexit, a bit tenuous. But we'll, we're, going to, we're going to talk about this after this next little twang because for every one that you sign, you're going to probably lose one. Um, this is part of the evolution. This is football. You know, we've all been we've all been Brentford fans for decades now. You know, we can't keep everyone. So, who is going to make way for this next wave, this next influx of Brentford players? So, that's what we're talking about after the twang. We've talked really good news. Alan Judge resigned two years, but what other players in the squad does that impact? It must put other players under pressure. Um, we kind of got a little bit of um, an excess attacking squad now, have we? Or, or can, can that never be the case? Sav, how do you assess, the, how do you assess that news in terms of the, you know, the, the, the current squad? And do you see any natural wastage because of today's news? Uh, for me, because uh, I don't see, um, don't see Alan Judge as a winger, an outright winger. And I think we've got, um, we've got our, our wingers. We've got Tosser, we've got Canos. Uh, we've got uh, Joseph Soon and we've got Clark as deputies for those for the, the first two. I, I would put them that way. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I think we're fine there. We're fine as the the, the out and out wingers. So I think it's uh, I think as Matt was alluding to earlier about where you'd play him. Uh, you play him at the front of the the midfield three, and uh, so that really puts KK under pressure. Uh, KK sort of bit part player, starting to get into the team. Does some nice stuff. He's not you know he's not you know he's not a waste of waste of time. Uh, he's you know potentially as uh, a good player in there. He came under a lot of stick last season. He was a, he was last season's whipping boy in, in in some almost in the same way as Sawyer's is this year. Are you are you, are you saying that KK's kind of proved his, his his worth this year? I think KK is a young player. I think he's probably cheap as well, uh, and I think there, there's, there there could be a role for him at the club. Um, you know whether you know he's not a. The stage he's at now, there's no way he's, he's a regular starter, but uh, there's no reason. But you know, neither is Josh Clark. But you know, I'd, I'd like Josh Clark to stay. I'm, I'm probably with you on that one with KK. At his best, he, he's he's a really very good player, and I, I will always look back to the final few games of last season, especially up at Huddersfield when he was combining with Hogan. He he, he was really really effective, and this a couple of times this season where he's been allowed to play, I, I think he, he's looked all right, um, Matt. Who's going to make way, or does, does anyone need to make way? Is it do we just keep what we've got and rebuild, or do we have to do we have to jettison? It's 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 always a little bit difficult because um, you know the, with the, the the way the B team works and and the lack of you know you don't have reserve teams because you kind of need to keep players fit. So do you want that bigger squad? Um, I would say that I, I'd agree exactly what Sav says. I think. Um, it puts Kirschbaum under quite a bit of pressure because I kind of think that you you have to look at Sawyer's as as, as playing in an attacking of the one of the attacking three midfielders as well, um, and if you put Judge back into that, it puts you know it does put uh, Kirschbaum under quite a lot of pressure. Um, I think that you, uh, you maybe the re-signing of Yossesun isn't as 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 obvious as it may have been, because if you say you know if you've got you've already got um, three players, so you've got Hotter, um, you've got Canos, and you've got Clark on contracts already signed for next year. And um, from what I understand, Yossesun is a I think it's a club decision. 
Um, so if you throw, you, you know, if you, if you consider Judge playing in playing in a wider position, then you could argue it put, maybe puts that under pressure. Um, I think there needs to be a little. There probably is going to be a little bit of juggling here, um, and um, it, it's not quite. I th- I, in, in a funny way, the Judge re-signing sort of confuses matters a little bit as to how much rejuggling needs to happen. Um, because I, I really don't see the point of having a 22-man first-team squad if they can't stay match fit, you know? Well, that is always going to be a problem, is what, how, you, how you keep them match fit when you've only got a B team. Um, we're going to have to live with that. But equally, I don't think I don't think we can ever expect a promotion push unless we've got two players who are of equal value or equal worth or equal ability in every position. And you know, we and again, it's something else I said um, on a, a few weeks ago on on the podcast. I think as Brentford fans, we're very used to having one established player in every position. They're your favourites, and you have you have a subs bench. I don't think we're quite. Um, I don't think we're quite ready for having two players in every position. I'm not, not really quite sure. It does complicate things. You either The manager either gets grief for not knowing his best team or you've got too much choice. But I think, it's, I think the, for the very reasons you're saying that Newcastle or Norwich or Middlesbrough are better equipped for going up because they have got that strength in depth. It's, it's a, very, it's a fine, fine tightrope. Yes, it, it is. And, and, and you could... You know, anyone listening could probably say I've already contradicted myself because I talked about squad rotation earlier, and now I'm saying I don't want that big a squad. But I, but I kind of think you probably need a squad of, I don't know, 18, 19, maybe 20, where where you don't necessarily need two players for every team, but you need like an Alan Judge or arguably a Romain Sawyer. You could play more than one position. You know, that's. That, that, that's kind of my thing. You say we've got 18, 19, 20, but that's pretty much the average age of our team some, some weeks. So maybe you do need a bigger squad because we, you know, we are dealing with inexperienced young players who just can't, they can't they, at this stage in their careers, they can't guarantee the consistency we need. You know, Canos in particular is, a, is our club record signing, two and a half million quid. Can we really expect week in, week out? Maybe he doesn't need a Joseph Zoom, obviously a different side of the pitch, but, you know, do, it, he needs competition. He needs, he needs to be bailed out sometimes. Yeah, I mean, there is that loss of form, especially with the youngsters. But it was also injuries. I'll take you back to the beginning of last year. We had horrendous injuries. We had half a team out, if not more. Half a, half a squad, you know, we were playing all sorts of strange players in strange positions. And that's what I want to avoid always. As soon as you start playing a player out of position, you know, you're, you're in trouble. And I think we, you know, Matt's saying, yeah, you know, we, there are some players that can play in more than one position, but then you're going to lose them from somewhere else. And I think that, that weakens the side. Um, I mean, if you look at the defence, we've got, you know, the, the four centre halves, we've got the, the, uh, the two left backs, two young left backs. In, um, in Rico Henry and Tom Field, but we've only got Maxime Collins on the other side. So his replacement is the natural replacement is Giannis, who's been playing in midfield all season. And so you know you you, you didn't end up taking him out of midfield. He's injured anyway. So why do you you know we're just one yeah. one. But then you, know, you, you go back to playing someone out of position. Nico never really looked comfortable at left back, did he? So you know he, he he's only really come into his own was, given that sense. It was better. It was, it was okay at right back. Yeah, no, he's fine at right back, and he and he can he can deputise. But then you're moving him from somewhere else, and he's also got to get used to playing in that position again. So you know we lose that kind of momentum. Dutchman, really interesting 
considerations for next year for, for yeah, Smith? I, I think it's really exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a team that's got five centre halves and five attacking midfielders and Bentley in goal. I think that would be that would be a kind of Kevin Keegan moment, won't it? But um, would you love it? Would you I'd, love it? I'd absolutely love it. I'd absolutely love it. Um, I've said it before. We've all said it before. I think, and I think it probably goes back to what Matt was saying also about you know if you really want to be top two brutal truth is we need to massively upgrade some of those players and actually we're talking about upgrading some of the players are probably the best Brentford players we've seen in the 50 years we've been supporting them you know, it ain't that they're no good you know it's not that KK is no good or that Nico's not good enough for that we're just saying if you really want to challenge you've got to go again and you know I think we've got people like Jarge and Lotto who potentially are of that quality um, but you know if you really want to challenge there's some big big upgrades needed and that's with no disrespect to these players who are yeah, most of them amongst my favourite bees ever but we're just talking about the Premier League for goodness sake that's what we're aiming for and, and that will mean some hard decisions and you know, we know we're a problem this year we've, we've shipped in goals and we've got you know 74 centre-halves um, and a couple of full-backs but we've just let in goals and be that the defensive midfielder you know, they're not replacing Tamani that we, you know, bleat on about week after week and all the rest of it. But, you know, for whatever reason this year, we've, we've, we've let in goals, but we've rescued ourselves by scoring and looking, attacking and exciting every time we go forward. And, you know, as a, as a spectator, I'm loving that. I'm massively enjoying watching that. I always think we're going to score. I always think we're going to win games because we're creating and we're scoring. But, you know, the Allard summed up perfectly. If you really want to move up, there's some changes needed. So as we've known over the last few years, losing players isn't always necessarily about losing players that aren't good enough. Sometimes losing players is about bringing in money, to be honest with you. Um, which, which players may we have to look at selling, Matt? I mean, that's, that's, the, other, that's the other thing that we've really not even considered. Yeah, I, it, in a way, you kind of need to know what's coming in, but we don't normally work that way. We tend to sell before we have a replacement, as we've seen on... Um, several occasions. I, I, I've always, I mean, I keep saying it. I always think that we're we're oversubscribed at centre half, especially if we're playing two at the back. Um, and there's no reason why you wouldn't want to cash in on one of the four um, centre backs um, and maybe find a younger one that can be the fourth option. Um, and then you're looking. So, so then you're saying, right, okay, who potentially would you get money for? Probably Egan. To some extent, Dean. Not sure about Barbe, interesting one. Bielend, who may be the one that I think you would want to move on, may not be the one that's gonna, you know, gonna get the money in. But but he probably does earn reasonable wages. So if you could move him on, it, you know, it's an option. And I sort of and I, and I think out of those, for me, it makes sense to move one of those four on, either to save on wages or to to get some money in. I think as well that you need to look at maybe moving one or maybe two of them on because it's clearly not watertight um, at all this season. So there's something that's not quite working there. We've said we've alluded to this all season long. For whatever reason, no one can put their finger on it. I don't think anyone at the club or anyone in the, on the stands can put their finger on it. Or you can, Sav. You just put your finger up. Yeah. Was your put finger up in the air or your finger was on it? Uh, my finger was on it because I think we, we have all dis- discussed this so many times and we have all come up with the answer. It's the defensive midfielder. That's what's missing from the back four. And uh, although I do agree with Matt that um, if anyone's going to go, it's going to be Bielin because of the, the wages more than anything else. But, I mean, going on to sort of getting money in, I mean, it's, it's a shame, but we do have to still get money in because we lose a lot of money and there's FFP and all that. And I wouldn't want to see any of the players that we can make money out of leave. So hopefully Hogan has, has sort of covered us for a little bit 
and we don't have to sell anyone like a, a hotel or someone we can actually make money out of. The Allard, I know you put your hand up and you're, you're next on this one, but if anyone leaves, it's not going to be pretty, is it? Because the, the ones to leave now are ones who we don't even want to consider leaving. It's going to be Yotta or something like that, isn't it? I think there's... Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but would you cash in on on Hotter? No, I mean, no, I, no. Yeah, I know. I mean, I I don't think you would, but but we've lost the opportunity to do it once already. Would we want to miss it for a second time? Um, and to be honest, I don't think you. I think you struggle to move Bielendom. So then, you, do you take a chance and cash in on Harley Dean or John Egan? Dutchman. No. I'm still. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you I'm, on the I'm, no. I'm sorry. I, I just think you know we've we talked about what you need to do to step up a level, and, and one is you need to upgrade on some of the players, and the other is you need to keep hold of the ones that you got. And you know, Yotta's, you know, he's not player of the season. He hasn't been here long enough, but he, he has absolutely, you know, turned around people's thoughts and you know excitement about the future because we've seen what he can do, and we, we need those quality players. Uh, I think Sav kind of said what I was going to say. You do actually hope that some of the Hogan money. Um, prevents some of these sales. I mean, a lot of it comes down to how much money Matt Benham wants to put into the club, you know, what his exposure is, and I guess a lot of it still comes down to fair play and various other you know, rules and regulations that we're tied in by. But uh, you know, would you choose to get rid of these players if you didn't have to? You know, it's got the makings of a reasonable squad, and there's some, there's some squad players in there, isn't it? But what we do need, as we've said, is several additions that are really going to take us up a level. And if you have to sell to get rid of, there'll be some. Unpleasant. I mean, no one's mentioned the midfielders in there yet. Um, we, we've got a, a lot of midfielders in there. We've got a lot of players that we like. But whether you can sustain a squad that's got, uh, you know, the McLeods, the McCreckens, uh, you know, the, the Otters, the Canos, the, well, the KK, etc., etc. Well, I mean, there, there is there is an abundance in there. And, mate, <laughs> and there's the one that none of us have mentioned, Woods, and yeah. and he's prob- he's arguably one of the most valuable players in our I squad. I didn't mention him in case anybody was listening from another club. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and I'll, I'll reiterate this again because I'm not sure how many of you listen to this every week. I mean, we're, you know, we're we're on it every week, so we know this. We know what we say intimately, inside out, because we say the same shit over and over again, <laughs> week in, week out. But you know, um, it's 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 pretty much that you know, Yotta. I would say is going to resign, and he'll want to stay for the next couple of years because he's literally seen his career been on the scrap heap. Um, and literally throwing away the most promising career since Tony Folan, Um, and um, we've resurrected it. Why would he want to jeopardise that all over again quite so soon? I reckon reckon he's here for another couple of years, and there's obviously always the get-out clause of someone coming in with silly money. The silly money clause will always be there, but he's manners, again, manners. Um, The Allard... Yeah, if if I'm honest... I know I've sort of thrown the hopper curveball in the old, you know, you know, um, but you know the, the reality is I don't think Hotter will go. I do think one of the four centre backs will. Another player we haven't mentioned, and I, I know Nick's not here this week, so there's no one really to bully because um, there is a culture of bullying that does exist on this podcast, <laughs> as you well know, um, and I, I enjoy it, if I'm honest with you. Um, the old playgrounds bully comes out in me once again, and it's all directed at the liberal. Hello, Nick. Um, it's Hoffman. 
Hoffman is another one, really, and I, I feel desperately sorry for the guy because whenever he comes on, he really does try. There's, there's no doubt in that he he wants to be a success. I, I think he's doomed. Um, I think we might see a bit more of him before the end of the season to give him the slight opportunity to see if we can get any resale value on him. Um, uh, it, it's not worked out for him. Is another another lanky German that's not worked. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the thing about Hoffman is that I, I, I'm pretty sure we signed him because he was supposed to be physically strong and he'd give you a, another option of a centre-forward. But the bottom line is, Hoffman, um, the, you know, he wants balls to his feet, the same as Viva does, the same as Scott Ogan did before him, albeit in a different area of the pitch. Um, he, unfortunately, just doesn't offer us anything that different. Um, you know, if you want to suddenly start hitting long balls to a big man who can nod it on to... Somebody Hoffman doesn't offer it. Dutchman, difficult decisions. Yeah, and that's what that's what we're going to have to take, isn't it? We're in no doubt about that. There are some difficult decisions, but they don't get. Let's not get it wrong. They, they, it's a good place to be. You know, we're in a position of um, comfortable mid-tableness, and we've got a, a good underlying squad. Young, most of them signed up to contracts of, of a couple of years or more. So it's the perfect time, really, to to make those difficult decisions. And if one or two sort of you know favourites fall by the wayside, so be it. Um, yeah, we, we, we're short of forwards, aren't we? We got you know, we're just just looking at the squad here in front of us to remind ourselves. You know, people that are named strikers, I think we've got two. We've got Hoffman and Vibe, and you could, you know, you could, you could argue that Hoffman isn't a first team player, and you could argue that Vibe is possibly a um, an attacking midfielder, number ten, whatever you want to call him. Um, yeah, and you've got Canos and others who play in a forward position, but you know, true strikers, you could almost argue we've got none at the club at the moment, if you want to be extreme. And you know, you can argue that we've been a better team without one. And since Hogan's moved on, you know, and as good as Hogan was, and as much as we all kind of you know, absolutely love what he did for us and wish him all the best, although not particularly for his club. Um, you still do look at the fact that we've scored more goals since he's moved on with the team play and. But you still need a forward in the squad, I would argue, whoever that is. Talking about difficult decisions, um, matchday officials, they probably have got the monopoly on difficult decisions. They're the ones that are making the decisions. They're the ones that blow their whistle, wave their flags, give good goals and give dodgy penalties. Um, we saw in the France-Spain game this week in the international break that video technology has been used for the first time properly, I'd say, in, in, in ways of sort of dragging back play and, and then kind of um, working out whether going back one phase at least. So we're going to be talking about video technology. And before that happens, I'm going to give you an update on something very special that's going to happen on 30th of April. It's the Sunday of the bank holiday weekend in Hammersmith. Venue to be um, announced, but after this twang, I'm going to give you an update and, a, and an announce a lineup of Brentford players that are going to be at the next Brentford, the next besotted social. So after the twang, be ready for some news. Sunday, 30th of April, Sunday bank holiday in Hammersmith, venue to be announced. We have the end of season besotted knees up. It's uh, the day after the Fulham game. And it's going to be, it is going to be, and this is no, this is no hyping out. It's going to be the best besotted social today, and probably one of the best um, Brentford evenings of, of of recent times. Confirmed Brentford players in attendance on the night. 
Gary Roberts. Gary Gasping Roberts. What a wing, wing, winger he was. He scored a goal against Nottingham Forest and he scored a goal against Liverpool. Um, scored a goal against Swansea when they were in the first division back in the late 80s, or sorry, early 80s. Um, alongside Gary Roberts, we have Francis Joseph. And um, what a striker he was. We signed him from Wimbledon. He, Jojo, have a go, Francis Joseph and his brother Roger Joseph. They were, they were part of some really exciting Brentford teams. We have Graham Benstead. He was in goal when we got promoted at Peterborough. Um, Benno is an absolute legend. He's got some real brilliant stories. Um, alongside Graham Benstead, we have Billy Manuel. Remember Billy Manuel, people? What a, again, what a character. He'll have some stories to tell. Um, they're probably going to be on the main stage and milling around and then coming on stage and talking, just talking shop and talking Brentford. We also have Scott Partridge, Marcus Gale, Iger Anderson, Danny Boxall, the best fullback in history, apparently, Jackie Graham, Terry Rowe, Pat Cruz. There will be more. Um, this is a not to be missed evening. Uh, we'll have a story on Besotted over the next couple of days and look at us on Twitter. There'll be a link to um, how you get hold of tickets. As I said, it's the 30th of April. It's the week before the big Brentford um, Big Red Bull, so there's no clash there. Uh, it's going to be a mammoth night. We've got a lot a lot of fun planned. We've got comedians, we've got, we've got um, magicians. It's, it's going to be a, a proper laugh. Um, just come along with your mates and have a few beers. So... <laughs> we're now going to up it a bit and we're going to talk video technology. So video technology, it's, it's something that's been moaned about, talked about. Uh, we've been on about this for almost a decade, probably. The, the technology's been there. The other sports have seen it implemented. Um, tennis, cricket, rugby have, have all got very much used to having place stops, having big decisions scrutinised, having people up in gantries and outside the grounds look at incidents and, and, and feed that back through the uh, officials' earpiece. And so, so, so game-changing incidents can be, uh, can be kind of, can be just ratified and make sure the right decision's been made. Football's very much different, in my opinion, to all of those sports. There's, the ball seems to be in play more often in football than any of any of those that are mentioned. Um, so it, it means that any any disruption to that play is going to be really noted, and I think the fans will will, will really suffer. I think there's incidences in in every single game that I can remember where the, the, the match officials kind of questioned about whether the right or wrong decisions um, been made, but it's almost part of the game. And it's one of those things, as far as I'm concerned, is like careful what you wish for. And there's knock-on effects to all of this. If you if you if you want to make the right decision every single time, it's almost like the game actually stops being played. And and, and, and do we actually really want that? Of course, you know, I, I was in South Africa when Frank Lampard's goal was, you know, three yards over the line, wasn't given. Um, and you know that was one of those match-defining incidents. There was, there's been, well, you know, well, no, we probably would, well, well, yeah, well, well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Well, maybe not. Maybe not match-defining, but it was, it was a goal that we, we don't know. We don't really know what would have happened. Um, but you know, these examples throughout the game, throughout history, where there was balls that were clearly goals and goals that clearly weren't goals and penalties that never were and all that kind of stuff and 
you know, we, we actually just take it as, you know, it, it's par for the course. You, you take the rough with the smooth. Over the course of the season, these things balance themselves out. But last night, um, France versus Spain. France got the pretty poor rub of the green last night. They had a they had a goal a goal that was a goal that was scored goal in inverted commas by Antoine Griezmann that was was scrubbed out for offside, given at first and then scrubbed out. And then Gerard Delafeu was given a goal. He was given offside, and then 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 the, then the goal was actually given for Spain. So it, it affected, it impacted France badly on two occasions. The Dutchman. Assuming that we can get the technology right, assuming that it's equal for everyone, will this be the? Could this be the end of big club bias? It's such a big subject to talk about, isn't it? I just want to challenge one point where you said that um, you know the ball's in play most of the time at football. It, it might be now we're in the championship, but I can refer you to about thirty previous years where the ball spent most of its time off the pitch or in the you know the Bremer stand or somewhere over the top. Um, so perhaps our football is now better. I think I always remember reading about the video technology on the goal line stuff, which is obviously in play. Where you know that one of the reasons they held out for that for so long was that the, you know the FA I think probably to their credit said. We want the rules to be the same for all levels of football, whether it's the kids playing football at school or in the park on a Sunday or um, you know, playing in the, you know, the Champions League or the World Cup final. And the minute you start bringing in that technology and the stuff that we're talking about now, you are changing the way that games are refereed. Now, that's not necessarily to say you shouldn't do it because of that, but yeah, people have to accept that it's a, it's a change. Would it add to it? Clearly, you know, you've given an extreme example there. Part of the fun of football is that the refs screw it up on a regular basis you know we still talk about decisions now um, but I think there's we, we ought to be exploring something along those lines is my personal view whether it's actually the technology like that whether it's the man on the side you know the stuff that we all see on TV live you know the instant word in the in the referee's ear to say you've bollocks that right up um, rethink it it's, it's the different phases of play as you say you know the fact the ball doesn't go out so often and that's why it was obviously brought in for goal line stuff but even the goal line stuff can still lead to you know it could, it could be a couple of minutes before the the, the the game comes to a halt although you know supposedly there's the beep that goes off and tells you that the ball was or wasn't over the line but it's it's it is dangerous territory it is be careful what you wish for um, we all want to see the really bad decisions removed unless they're the ones that favour us of course Sav is the game already Perfectly imperfect. Do we do we really need it to be? You know, would, would it ruin the game if every decision was was a hundred percent right? Uh, I think it would. For the, the, I mean, the main reason is that when somebody scores a goal, uh, we have a quick look at the uh, the linesman, and then we all burst into into joy. Well, you or, well, or, apart from a way at Fulham, I think you missed the linesman. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, exactly. That's part of it. I mean, I, I, but I, I was the one that had 15 minutes of joy, and you lot just all miserable. So, 15 minutes? Oh, sorry, 15, sorry, 15 seconds of joy. It took me that long to realise that it was offside. But uh, I, could you imagine what would happen if, if everything went, went to the fourth official, what you, or the video ref or whatever it is? What would happen is that somebody would score a goal, or it looked like somebody scored a goal, then we'd all be looking around. We wouldn't leap up into joy. We'd be looking around, have a look at the linesman, have a look at the ref. It's, it's been contested. What's going on? And by that time, you can't get that joyous moment when you just see the ball hit the back of the net and you just release that joy. 
and it's obviously assuming that whoever it is that's kind of the the one that's overlooking all of this, the one that's looking at the game five or ten seconds of delay, that they get it right. So, yeah, they might be as they might be as shit as everyone else. They may not they may not know what they're doing either. Um, the Allard, I mean, you know, again, this tin of worms, this this perfectly imperfect situation that we have. All, obviously, we need to eradicate. Bla- glaringly awful decisions and, and um, at certain levels of football we already do because we already have the goal line technology so we already have let's not forget we already have this video technology the, the, what you need to decide is how far you progress that um, without destroying the flow of the game as we've all said flow of the game now what does the, <laughs> this is the way I look at it what, what do football supporters generally hate most when players get injured <laughs> When, but 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 you know what I mean. During a game, they hate it when the game stops. Those and those those slow hand clap moments. Yeah, exactly. And and all this will do is increase that. All um, the let him die moments. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And 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 all this will do is increase that. So so you said it. Dutch said it. Be careful what you wish for. Sav probably said it. Um, th- and 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 I think the real danger is that if you go down the lines of, you know, the, the tennis, the cricket route, where you're allowed to make three. Um, appeals. appeals during a game you wait until there's teams with two or three of them in their pocket and you go into injury time and they're 1-0 up yeah and you really want frustration that's when it'll happen there'll be people like trying to contest a throw on saying it's a foul throw to waste 30 seconds or 40 seconds or or to destroy you know the flow of a game and, and it will get used that way it, you, it's going to have to be so tight on the rules for this not to be used in a really negative way. I, I, I completely agree. I think what the game needs is is more skill. It doesn't need more. Um, it doesn't need more kind of like under the microscope kind of officialdom. And I, I think that's what we're that's what we're heading towards. That the other thing, the scary thing. It's almost like um, it's almost like the, the where there's blame, there's a claim. Lawyers, you know, it's almost like you you have to you have to be. It's almost, clubs will then sort of sue. The next thing is they will sue for a bad decision, and the other and also if you look at what's happening in athletics, where you with where things become historical, where 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 drugs cheating comes in, where they, they, they so sometimes there will be decisions that are made in, in, retrospectively, maybe that will change the outcomes of games. I mean, the one that always springs to mind is when she, um, Chesterfield played Middlesbrough in that FA Cup semi-final, was it semi-final? Yeah. where there was a perfectly good goal that wasn't given. Do, are we going to get the, the winners of the FA Cup that year stripped and, and Chesterfield given runners-up medals 30 years after it happened? Uh, can I just point out that England didn't win the World Cup? You can shut your face. <laughs> they did win the World Cup and two World Wars, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it can't be down to the player. You, you can't... Uh, the appeal system has some, you know, some merit to it, but you can't make that... I think to answer that point, you can't have it in the hands of the players to appeal their three. It, it's got to be down to... You know, a neutral person decides, and if it, you know, most of those decisions, your Lampard one or whatever, you, you know, within seconds that's wrong. And the, a word, a word to the wise from the guy on the sideline, the fourth official, whatever it may be, you can put most of that right, uh, and the ref can make a call on whether that's important or not. I don't think it affects as many goals as we think. Yeah, the, 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 it's most goals are pretty clear, aren't they? Um, yeah. But, but what football surely does need is that really crappy. Um, tennis slow hand clapping when it goes to Hawkeye 
I mean, you can imagine how cringy that would be, surely, Alan. And, 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 and that's my point. Um, and more to the point is how many goals do we get? How many outcomes and matches do we get wrong? are wrong? based on that I mean does, does anyone think England would have beaten Germany in South Africa and got on to you know have a successful run at the World Cup <laughs> no I, I don't I, I, my own, my, I remember being there um, in Bluefontein I think it was and um, my only my only abiding memory of that game apart from just being wishing I wasn't there was the fact that I just hoped that they wouldn't outdo the 5-1 game that I was at in Munich <laughs> so I thought I was at the 5-1 England game in Munich I didn't want them to match it and I was just so delighted that they haven't they haven't sort of eradicated that memory from me Sav you know what, where's this going to go is it, are we pushing against the door that's going to open whether we want it or not are we going to see this video technology come into the game now and and ruin the game? Is this? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Is this the is this the beginning of the end of football? I think it might happen in the Premiership and the World Cup, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I don't I don't think it will happen in the Championship. I mean, we haven't even got goal line technology. Uh, I was at the um, the Fulham versus Leeds game a couple of weeks ago. Loyal for my sins, and uh, I. I, I cost me £40, by the way. Um, but um, they, uh, Fulham scored a goal, clearly over the line. I mean, I could see it from where I was, clearly over the line. It wasn't given. <laughs> so, so if there was any reason that video technology should not be included in the game, that's, that's it. The reason that we've not listened to any of the back-in-the-pub um, palaver that we normally listen to is because it's been international break weekend some of the Brentford players have been away on duties most thankfully I would say at this this stage have been resting um, the ones that have been in action let's let's run through them briefly um, Rico Henry he earned his third cap at under 20 level he played the first half in a win over Senegal which played in a place for played in a place called Plufrangan in Brittany which is where I used to go on booze cruises back in the day I used to go and get cheap beer and whatever else Lasse Vibe and Andreas, Andreas Bieland they were both sat on the bench in Denmark's 0-0 draw in Romania in Cluj um, they didn't feature, but you know that's 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 quite a that's quite a you know, an impressive standard to be playing at, to be honest. Um, and then uh, obviously the, the 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 biggie was um, John Egan's first 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 team first full cap for Ireland um, in a, quite an eventful game against Iceland for him. He had an urge, early injury which saw him get his head bandaged in sort of proper Terry Butcher mode, Paul Ince mode. And then uh, he gave away the free kick that ended up being the winning goal for Hordur Magnusson, um, who's a Bristol City player. He's playing against us on Saturday, so the two of them will probably come together a little bit uh, again. Uh, is that a sign of things to come, Sav? Is that fate? Or will Egan bloody his head on, on him this weekend? Uh, well, I'm not sure Egan will play. Uh, Egan played, uh, didn't play the, the, the game against Burton. I think uh, Barbe came in in his place. Uh, so with his exertions, I think he's the most likely player to be, to be rested for, for Saturday. Seriously, so you can play for your country, you can play for the Republic of Ireland in midweek, but not play in the Championship on the Saturday? We can, yeah. I mean, I think we, we, have, we have these players who, who didn't play, like Bieland didn't play, uh, Barbe didn't play, and as Barbe played the, the last game, I think you know he, he could well be 
No, we did win 5-3. Um, but uh, three, I suppose, isn't good. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I, you know, I mean, I would like to see you can play. I think Dean and Egan are our best pairing, but, um, you know, he may not. International recognitions, all good for the club, gets us on the map, uh, gets our players playing at, or, or being, or, sorry, mixing with players from other clubs that are on, on their way up to. It's a, it's, a, it's a brilliant way for up in the profile. Do we need to be um, hoping our players are picked or aren't picked? I think personally, and perhaps because it's a bit new, I'd always want them to be picked. I think it's great to see that recognition, whether it be at full level or you know, whether it's at the, the juniors, under 20s, under 21s, whatever it may be. It's, it's got to be a good thing. Although if I speak to you know, some of my premiership friends, I mean, they, they dread international weekends. You know, The Spurs fans dread Kane being injured or Ali being injured because it's so vital to their push. But you know, for us, it's got to be a good thing for our players to be mixing at that level and, and you know, getting those experiences, be it on the bench or, or on the pitch. Uh, you know, of course, our star players as such, you, you could argue haven't made that yet. I mean, the ones that we were waxing lyrical about earlier, you know, the, the, the Spanish guys, Judge, although he was, kind of, you know, he, he was there and ready to go for the tournament, um, we've got those to come as well in the future. So clearly, there's a risk if all your players are involved. But it's all about recognition and profile. It's all part of our um, our growing process as a club, isn't it? As we as we move up the divisions and consolidate and hope to, to move further, and it's got to be a good thing. I suppose it, it, it depends where you dip in on in in a, in a player's career. You know, Egan, for example, was played at you know 17, 18s, 19s, 20s for Ireland, and we we haven't we haven't been the ones that are missing out on him on a match day for playing for what is junior international football. You know, it, our our business model, the way we scout. You know, would it? Will that affect? You know, we, we might see on the stats might show this a most amazing Australian kid at eighteen. Would it mean that we probably won't pick him because he's going to be flying backwards and forwards the whole time? I'm not sure. I, th- I think whoever you sign now, whatever country, if they're good enough, they're going to be there. And you've seen it in the Premiership, you know, with the African Nations, which is one that's kind of changed a bit of the, you know, the, the landscape. That that's a mid-season tournament. I think for us, the fact we've got the international break, it feels a little less fraudulent now that we've got an international break and our players are actually involved because you know, we, we had the, the odd game probably um, in, in League One where you miss a weekend and most of your players are still holidaying and yeah, having a weekend off, which is not necessarily a bad thing. So I think it's part of being a bigger club and it just yeah, it, it's credit to everybody involved. That's the sort of squad that we've assembled and exactly what we were saying earlier, that the squad we've got here is one of the best that we've ever had and whilst we want to improve it and, and carry on, Moving upwards in the you know the overall scheme of things, international recognition is just another indicator of where we've come from and where we're getting to. So maybe it's better to be signing players from La Liga or Serie A in in, in Italy, where probably you know Canos and Yotta aren't going to be picked for Spain. And you know it's gonna it's gonna take it's gonna take a proper catastrophe to, for them two to get picked. And it's not saying they're not good players, it's, you know, but it's better to be playing. Buying those players than KK. If KK was great, he'll be away every week with Austria. So, you know, do we need to be buy, buying more Spaniels? Well, I think there's, there's also the thing about uh, the younger players as well. You've got um, Rico Henry in the under 20s, but he's going to have to be in the Premiership uh, to get into the um, into the full team. So, there's going to be a point very soon where he's not going to be going away unless we're in the Premiership or he's in the Premiership. 
Yeah, and equally, AD Boothroyd in the, for the under 21s probably not going to pick Rico Henry. You know, there's, he, he's only going to be picking from the, the you know the development teams and the B teams of Prem teams. He, he isn't going to be looking down as far as Brentford, and that's not knocking us. That's just fact, I, I'd say. So overall. International football, it's going to become more and more part of our international breaks. It's not going to be a weekend off for most. Are we saying it's better that our players are involved or not involved? Better to be involved. Better for me personally not to be involved. And it's good to have a weekend off every now and then, unless you're Billy. Um, Hi, Billy. But certainly I think for the club, it's a good thing to have your players involved. And yes, there's the risk of injuries and you know, not getting the rest that others have. But I think the positives must outweigh the negatives. Sav, involved, not involved? Yeah, I think it is that balancing act. Uh, their profile goes up, their, their worth goes up because they get noticed a lot more. And that's better for the club in the long run. Short run, they might get injured, they might not. You know, they, they, and um, I don't think it, you know, the, the rest is a major problem because... I'm not sure many of these internationals are full pelt anyway, and they, a lot of our players seem to get half games or on the bench anyway. So I, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cop out on this one. I'm gonna sit on the bench. I'm, I'm not sure whether international accreditation is it adds to your value or, or not. I think it's your league, your league form that earns you your, your worth. I don't think we got any. You know, I think Andre Gray was worth a lot of money. Regardless, I don't think him representing England would have made a jot of difference to that. So I'd probably say that it's better not to be involved in international football from a, from a club perspective because it's one less game where you could get injured. And I, I think these international breaks, they um, give you an opportunity to be rested and ready to go. So I, I'm going to say I'm going to say not involved, not because I don't want the players to have a, a you know great career and represent the countries. I'm just going to be really selfish. And I think I'm going to just stick my Brentford hat on. And what a Brentford hat it is. So considering there was no game to, to look back on, um, it's not, I, don't, I, don't, I think it's been, pretty, it's been a pretty, uh, pretty eventful, pretty topical podcast. Um, but what we have got to look forward to is two quite cracking games, uh, Saturday, Tuesday. Um, at Griffin Park, we've got Bristol City coming up on Saturday. Leeds United, which you know you, you can't you can't fail to be excited by a, a visit by Leeds United uh, and their fans who just pack, they will pack out the the um, uh, the Brook Road Terrace without any shadow of a doubt. It's there they are a phenomenal phenomenal and um, supporting club. Uh, so we got we got six points to play for over this over this coming weekend. Bristol City still hovering above the drop zone. Had a couple of decent wins in the last few weeks. They um, they beat Wigan one 0 and the most impressive one, of course, was a four 0 win over Huddersfield. But that came at the end of a very bad run for them. Uh, so Leeds Leeds are in good form though. The impressive wins over Brighton and Sheffield Wednesday. Birmingham sat in fourth place. You know they're, they're a they're a team that you know they've disappointed over the last few years, but they seem they seem to be coming good now. Sav, six points up for grabs. What are you really realistically expecting over the next you know the next two fixtures? Uh, I'm not sure about the Bristol City game. Depends which team turns out for for both both of us because I think. If we turn it on, we, you know that we can we can beat them easy, um, you know. But if if not, then you know it could be another Wolves uh, type type of game because uh, Wolves aren't that great. Although they really turned it on against us, 
but I mean, I, I know a bit about Leeds. As I said, I saw them play uh, against Fulham, and they are horrible, absolutely horrible to watch. Two really solid banks of four. You know, they, they really set up uh, in a very solid way, and it's really horrible to watch because they're, you know, they're, they're not, you know, they're, they're, pretty much every game they seem to win seems to be 1 0, um, and they play for that. But have we, have we got the ammo to completely kibosh that system? Uh, I think if we play our A game, which is when we play one-touch football, we can do that. I think if we try to try any other way, I think we'll probably get caught out. Um, it'd be interesting to see. They've got this um, fullback Taylor, who I thought was, was quite good, and I'm really looking forward to seeing Hotter up against him, seeing, seeing who's, who's going to win that. Um, quite looking forward to that. But I, I think these are horrible... We we could we could do them, but they just they just. I mean, it took Fulham a long time to get their goal. You know, they they scored in the ninety third or ninety fourth minute or something like that. And for, as we know, Fulham are a decent side. Uh, they they played in flashes throughout. The game. Uh, uh, um, I beg your pardon. Sorry, but Fulham are a decent side. They played in flashes throughout the game, but the last fifteen minutes they really turned it on and went for it, and they pinned Leeds back. We can do that. We we genuinely can play like that, um, but. In the horrible side. I can see a, a nil-nil, one-one or one-nil loss. Dutchman, uh, two tricky games, two exciting games, two challenging games. What, how do you see them? It's good to um, very much looking forward to Saturday. It's been a while without a game um, with the break, so that that'll be good. Um, how's it going to go? I think that's. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, the exciting thing at the moment is we haven't really got a clue what Brentford will turn up for those games I mean clearly despite the doom-mongers and let's not name them but you know we are safe and we're mid-table and that's where we're going to finish and you, you know, th- th- there is a concern that the games don't mean that much to, to, to the players or, or indeed in, in terms of the overall position at the end of the season um, as long as we get that attitude right and we play our A game as Sav calls it then we're capable of beating both of those and there's no reason why we shouldn't you know, you've only got to look at those two teams and see the contrasting you know um, performances of those this year. I mean, both of those teams were expecting to do well this year. I mean, Bristol City threw a hell of a lot of money this year at going up, and they were you know outsiders to to make those places. And you know now they're, they're worried about staying up. And again, that puts into perspective what we achieve every season that we're up there and, and how well we've done. Leeds have found some form, and will, will be a challenging game. But I'm always more confident on a Tuesday night under lights, even though I won't be there. Um, that we put in performance. I think we'll do okay. I think with the fans behind us, um, I, I would imagine we will win one of those and possibly lose the other, but I won't necessarily say which way round. Yeah, I'm, I'm going a win and a draw. Um, the Allard is is buggered off. I, I won't I won't pretend he's not he's here. He, he's just he's naffed off. He got bored. He he was he was he was making making signs at us dr- during the course of the evening. And he, I, I was downright rude. Um, so, so, um, so yeah, the Allard. Well, in fact, we said, we told him to go. In fact, he didn't leave, did he? We we just told him to go. I said, "You're not welcome. You're not welcome." That's what we said. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for four points. I'd say four points. I'd, I'd, I'd take a draw and a win out of those two. Probably take. I'd, I'd prefer a win out of the Leeds game. I think just just for putting putting them in their place. York is in their place, and a, you know a point against uh, to Bristol City. Bristol City can play football. They 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 they've worried us a couple of times since they since they came up, um, and I think they 
try and play football the right way. And I, th- I think, but I think they're just behind us in their evolution. They've tried to buy big, and they, they tried to buy Andre Gray off of us. No, no interest at all. Um, so you know, it, it shows you that you know, little old Brentford are attracting players that big city club Bristol were, are trying to buy. You know, it's 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 exciting times at Brentford. Um, so, what? Well, I, I will I will wrap this up by saying. Please do not forget the, Brent, the Brentford Social, the end of season Brentford Social in Hammersmith, Sunday the 30th of April. The stellar lineup of ex Brentford players. I will have to say thank you so much for the, uh, for the um, hospitality of the um, Prince Belusha in, in Twickenham on the green. They've been brilliant to us the last couple of weeks, and please do come down here. Please do have a meal and enjoy the brilliant, the brilliant, brilliant beer that's on offer down here. It's been excellent. We'll be back here very soon, I hope. Um, and pr- pretty much, that's it. We, can we have a little bit of table banging that goes on when we say, when we say, come on, you bees, go on, you bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.